you're listening to Real Talk SLP with your host, Elise Clark, the Deviling Speechy. This is a show to help speech pathologists navigate the SLP world with real-life stories to celebrate therapy successes and how to persevere when failure comes knocking on your door. Hello, Rockstar SLPs. This is Felice Clark, the Dabbling Speechy, your host of the Real Talk SLP podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about tips for getting started with theme therapy, and I have a great guest to come on and share with you the process with which she uses to plan theme therapy. So we are going to be having Kirsten from Words Matter SLP on the show to help you get started with theme therapy. And I know sometimes you may see things on Pinterest or social media with theme therapy and think, oh my gosh, how did they, when did they have time to plan that? How did they do that? What do I do next? Um, we're going to try to, to answer some of those questions today so that you feel confident to take the next step with planning a theme. Now, if you are new to theme therapy and you want more information about it, I really encourage you to go listen to episodes 45, how to cover various goals using themes on the Real Talk SLP podcast and episode 45, why I use themes longer than a week. Those are really great episodes to show you how you can use themes to cover a wide range of goals and how you can even use it to plan for two to four weeks. Two to four weeks, guys. That would make your planning for therapy a lot easier. So today... I'm going to have Kirsten come on and walk us through how to get started with planning theme therapy and also giving us some um, examples of how to go about planning and picking a theme. Before I jump into that interview with Kirsten, I want to let you know about a free theme therapy guide that I have created to help you stay inspired with planning a theme-based approach. Now, sometimes you may want to do a certain theme, but the teacher you're working with doesn't want to do that theme, or you're trying to find a theme that your students are really going to enjoy. This guide has over a hundred seasonal and non-seasonal themes to keep you inspired with planning therapy. So I will put a link in the show notes. Um, It also comes with a theme therapy lesson planning sheet. So if you like to jot down notes to work through what you're going to do with that theme, it's available. So make sure you head to the show notes and hit the uh, link for 30 theme therapy ideas to get your free guide today. So let's head on over to our interview with Kirsten and start talking about theme therapy. Hey there, Kirsten. I'm so excited to have you on the Real Talk SLP podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much, Felice, for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, so I already let everyone know we are going to be talking about theme therapy planning. And I always like to get, you know, before we dive into that discussion, I like to kind of get to know the guests that's coming on the show. So tell us all the deets about the population you serve, your favorite theme to plan, you know, something fun about you, anything you want to share? Sure. So a little history is that my very first job I had was the 
in the healthcare system. And I was fortunate to have a very diverse caseload being assigned to early intervention, preschool and school age children. And then I went on to work for a nonprofit that focused on preschool children with severe delays. And just in July 2021, I began my own private practice. So now I see children as young as 18 months to as old as 12 years of age. Um, as far as themes go, this is a hard one, Felice. Because <laughs> I love themes. Um, but if I have to choose, it would be between a garden theme or a baking theme. I just love the endless possibilities that you can use those themes in therapy for. And something fun that I love to share is that throughout um, like junior high and high school, I was definitely into musical theater and loved music. And to this day, I play guitar and piano. So that's a fun little fact. Cool. Um, do you do your private practice? Like, do you have your own office or do you go to people's houses? A little bit of both. So there's a special type of funding that we have here in Alberta, and it's called FSCD funding. And those kids I see in their homes because it's focused on family supports. Um, and then the rest, my actual private clients, I see in my own home office. Do you ever play the guitar for your clients <laughs> and sing? <laughs> I haven't yet. I've definitely thought about it. There's some kids I think that would love it. Um, but I haven't dared to bring the guitar into the therapy room quite yet. Yeah, I think I would only bring in music if I was a preschool teacher. Um, because I don't know, they seem to like everything. They're a good crowd. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> it's a little... <laughs> right. They're easy to please in certain ways. Um, but I do love a garden and baking theme. I don't even know what my favorite theme is because probably in my life, the overall theme is food. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, I could talk about that with kids all day long because um, we like to cook in my house and um, bake and all that stuff, too. So moving on, when it comes to planning theme therapy units, do you have a particular song that comes to mind that would describe the process for you? Well, as I was thinking about this, I would say probably two songs come to mind. The Bare Necessities song from The Jungle Book, and I'm using a kid-like reference because that's the population we work with. Um, I love that song for this just because ultimately we as therapists are the most important piece to a session. And when we go to plan a theme, we don't need a lot of things. Like sometimes I think people think that we need everything to make a session super fun and engaging. But um, ultimately it's you being there being enthusiastic, having fun, and as this song talks about not worrying or overthinking the process um, the same way that we often do. The second song that I was thinking about was Happy, because for me, once I started planning my sessions based on a theme, I found I was way more excited, way more passionate, um, way more happy and could groove along to my sessions and just enjoy them just because there's such little planning that's needed once all of that is set up. And I find too that children are so engaged and excited as well when they're presented a session that way and have a blast participating with you. Totally. I like those song choices too, because I think in order to increase engagement in our sessions, 
part of that piece or the puzzle is us being engaged as well. And I get bored easily. So I constantly need something like an ed- a little prop or something extra to make it more fun for me too. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so true that we don't really need a lot of stuff, but I think sometimes we see people on social media and Pinterest and think that we need all those things. Um, and sometimes we do, yeah. but Definitely. you know, <laughs> <laughs> but we don't need it, you know? Yeah. Sometimes I think it's it's probably for me, it could be a security blanket too. Like, I need this toy because I need to get into character. Yes. <laughs> and I just can't do it by myself. <laughs> and for me, like, when people get to know me, they know I am pretty crazy when it comes to toys. And that's just because I have so much fun with it. It's not that I need all those things, but I get so much enjoyment out of using different activities and resources and materials in a session. Totally. I love those um, songs. So yes, let's dive in. Um, when it comes to planning sessions by themes, I think there there's a couple of, there's two camps. There's SLPs that love it and SLPs that want to stick to skill-based therapy. Um, and then there's some SLPs that really enjoy child-led therapy. So a lot of play therapy. And so they don't they, they like it because they don't want to plan too much in advance because when you're doing child play therapy, you, you are definitely following what the child wants to do. So, you know, and I say, I would say that a roadblock for some SLPs is with planning theme therapy is they don't have a lot of time and they don't know how to get started. So what would you say to SLPs that are hesitant to try out a theme-based approach? Well, what you have just mentioned are very common responses that I have heard as well. And the biggest one that I believe is holding SLPs back from trying themed therapy is the overwhelm of where to begin and how to begin. Sometimes as SLPs, I think we find ourselves overthinking things, whether it be a strategy, a new approach, or planning a session. And it ends up actually paralyzing us rather than making us excited to jump in and try it out. Um, I know even some SLPs I've talked to who felt that way and then finally took the jump, they were like, why didn't I try this earlier? And the SLPs that I have talked to are often commenting on that it's hard to break down the steps of beginning themed therapy when the majority of what they're seeing on social media are SLPs who are already in the thick of it. So instead of feeling paralyzed, I hope that what we cover today can encourage SLPs to take the first steps in trying themed therapy in their own speech rooms in a way that's practical and manageable for them. Yeah, I would um, I would agree with that, that it's the overwhelm and it's too overwhelming. So they just are going to stick with what they know. And there's always a season for that as well, too. Like there's some times when Things are just too crazy at work for you to go try something new, but maybe have it in the, you know, in March when I don't have a lot of IEPs, which I don't even know if that's true for a lot of people, I'm going to try a theme or I really like baking. So I'm going to try baking, you know, or picking one group rather than planning for your whole caseload and see how it goes. All right. So what tips can you provide for helping an SLP get started with planning a theme? 
The first tip that I love to give is to start with what you own. So a great way to do this is to take all the resources and materials, toys and games that you already have and place them out all on the floor so that you can see them all together at once. Then at that point, begin categorizing them into themes so that you know what you own and what themes you can start with. I found when I did this, I actually began to use everything I owned way more because I organized it in a way that was practical for me, the way that my brain functions and works. It gave me a greater understanding too of what I shouldn't and should buy as I'm out in the stores because I could tell myself, oh, this theme, I have a lot of things for. I don't really need anything to add to that. But you know what? If I saw this really cute camping set, I'm going to keep my eyes out for that because that would be a great addition to my camping theme um, at this time. So that's my first tip, is just starting with what you own, not looking to all of the themes that are out there and trying to build all those themes at once, because that can become very overwhelming. And um, just taking this little practical tip can really make things a lot easier, and you can see like the bite sizes (laughs) that you can take to achieve it. The second tip is to use themes and themed items that you can use in a variety of ways to target a variety of goals. So in every themed bin that I own, I always make sure that there's at least a couple themed books, a themed game, a theme resource, and a themed toy and activity. Having these few things allows me to feel confident that I can take that bin with me on the road to the clinic, to the office, to a home, knowing that I have all that I need to make a session work for all the kids that I'm seeing that day. Because those materials are so universal, they'll cover so many goals in themselves and make your planning a lot easier. So doing that and having my materials organized this way has decreased my planning drastically and my enjoyment for sessions has increased significantly. And then the third and final tip that I'll talk about today is to have a mix of year-round and seasonal themes. So remembering that you don't need to have lots of themes right at the start and that the greatest way to begin is to use broader themes that you can break down into smaller themes as your themed resources grow. So for example, when I began themed therapy, I had um, themes that were like animals, food, summer, winter, and those cover the majority of the year. And as I began to add and grow those materials within each theme, I was able to then break them down into subcategories and have smaller themes that I could use within those bigger themes. So pets, farm, and ocean animals all became a theme themselves. They're no longer just animals. Um, Food then went into baking, a pizza unit, a farmer's market unit. Summer went into beach, picnic, camping, etc. So they begin to break down. And for me, the way that my brain works is to have some of those smaller units so that I can say, okay, over these winter months, I'm going to do snowman, I'm going to do gingerbread, I'm going to do winter activities. And then that way, it's pretty much your lesson plans for that whole time. 
Um, but again, you don't even need to break those down further if you don't want to, especially when you're just starting out. Beginning with those broader themes does allow you to feel less overwhelmed and gives you an idea of where to start and what to begin with. Yes, I love those tips. I'm going to recap them because you gave a lot of great information. So the first tip is start with what you own. Don't go on a shopping frenzy (laughs) buy all the things. Just start with what you own. And I loved your tip of like putting everything out there. And I think some people may even hear that tip and go, well, I don't have time for that. But if you have to think that long term, um, like it's worth it in the long run because you're going to use that theme year after year. So spending 20, 30 minutes looking at all your stuff is worth it in my, you know, in my mind. Um, and then you also said tip number two was to have, I think, look at your stuff and, and see how you can use it for a variety of ways. But I love that idea of having everything kind of in a basket or a bin that once you've selected all your materials, this allows that freedom too to be flexible. If something isn't working, you have another option. And I don't know if that's, do you find that happens a lot sometimes in your sessions where you're like, oh, <laughs> that's not working? Absolutely. Sometimes one kid will really, really love an activity that you've planned and you do that same activity with another child right after and they're not into it. But then you pull out another activity that was in your bin and now you're doing that for the 30, 40 minutes that you have with that child. So, and that's kind of where you can play on the child's interest too, that it's not just one way or the other, but you're starting to get an idea of, okay, this child really loves and is motivated by the game in my session. This child's really motivated by the book and being a part of the interactive story. Um, And then that way you can kind of pick and choose what works best for the child you're working with. So for all those SLPs that kind of like child-led therapy, you can still do themes, but maybe put things out to see what they gravitate towards and then follow their lead that way. Um, and also picking themes that maybe are relevant to their everyday life so that their parents can, you know, gardening, like you said, like you love doing that theme. That's a perfect theme for a parent to do with their child. So um, doing themes does, you know, it can be really powerful in that way too, because it can be something they do in their everyday life. And then, no, sorry. <laughs> I was also going to just add to that too, that in schools, curriculum is theme-based as well. Like, Kind of our whole life is organized by categories and by themes. So I think that's why I just feel it's so natural to incorporate that into our sessions, especially when like teaching different language concepts and new vocabulary. But that's a whole nother pot. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we could talk about themes all day long. Um, <laughs> and your, your last tip was having a mix of year round and seasonal themes, kind of like a broader themes um, so that you can, you know, you can cover a lot of territory with those broader themes. And then as you get comfortable, you can go down to like breaking down food into desserts fast food, you know, snacks, all that kind of stuff. So I really like those tips. So, um, you know, first start with what you have, um, make a bin with the activities so you can grab them and go and then mix, you know, have a mix of broader themes so that you can cover a lot of ground during the year. 
All right. I love those tips. So before we wrap up this interview, I would love it if you could walk us through an example of a theme you may plan for this time of the year and then how you would go about planning for your caseload, like a nice little example so that we can visualize it for ourselves. For sure. So as I mentioned earlier, I love the baking theme, and this is a great time of year to use baking as well. Um, I have an entire theme bin that's dedicated just to baking so that I can pull it out and use it with my whole caseload. I have around five books that are based on baking. I have Melissa and Doug baking food sets, a fun, colorful sensory bin with baking themed mini objects and book companion resources from my TPT store that I've created. I have um, and love using my baking theme to work on sequencing skills, story retail, verb vocabulary, themed vocabulary, following directions, describing, inferencing, problem solving, spatial concepts, and targeting functional embedded speech sounds as well. Really, you can target everything <laughs> within this theme. Um, the majority of my sessions are 60 minutes, so I often start with a book. And then I play one to two games and activities. We do a movement activity. And then at the end, I always have a child's choice. So I usually have a couple things that they can choose from. If we're in my office, they can choose something off the shelf and we'll end off the session that way. So an example of this is I often pull out the Stir, Crack, Whisk, Bake book, which is a little book about the little cakes. And we will go through that book together. And the reason I love that book is it's interactive all on its own. They get the child to use their hands and their bodies different ways as they interact with the story to help make cupcakes for a special day. Then I'll pull out a Melissa and Doug set, and we use that same set to retell the sequence for making cupcakes. So I can target following directions in this activity. Um, if there's a child that we're working on sequencing, I can then model the sequence once again and then have the child practice those sequencing skills or expanding utterances by talking about what we need to do to make cupcakes. I often target spatial concepts in this activity when we're putting items in the bowl, we're putting the cupcakes on the plate, as well as targeting speech sounds like S-blends, where we're sticking things in the bowl, we're stirring, we're smelling it, we're using a spoon. All of those are naturally embedded speech sounds that we can work on while doing this activity. Then once the cupcakes are made, we get up and we start moving and I hide the cupcakes around the room. The child then has to go and find that cupcake. They tell me where they found it, practicing those spatial concepts or using an expanded utterance. Then they can bring it back to the pan before going and finding another one. Then we can end the session by exploring my sensory bin, opening the little containers to find a hidden baking themed object that's inside. And often I use this activity when we are working on describing so that when they open that little surprise container, they can tell me three things about that object. And then I can try to guess what they found if they want to keep it hidden. I often take turns on this activity so that they hear models of descriptions. And then they're also practicing inferencing skills by guessing what I have been describing that's hidden inside that container. 
All of these activities are located in that theme bin. So they're ready to be used and it makes my planning so, so easy. I, yeah, I totally agree with once you get it all set up, you can grab and go. Um, I too kind of follow a framework like what you're talking about. And I would recommend doing that as well. Like having a, you know, we do book, then we do this, then we do a sensory bin. Um, Cause that can, every week you're just going to plug in what you need to do. And then for all those SLPs that are in the school setting, you're going to still follow a lot of what Kirsten's saying, but you just need, you might have to look at like, what are the goals happening in this group right now? And how can I address them simultaneously? Or maybe one part of the activity is for one goal uh, where you're really going to, you know, hit WH questions with the books and describing. And then with the sensory bin, you're working on social communication. So that's the only adjustment that you might have to make with mixed groups. Yeah, but I love that. That's great. I think that really breaks down what SLPs need to do with planning is just following the framework of a book. Um, I think you said a game or play activity then movement activity. And then I I like that child's choice because it lets them have control right before you end the session. So they're feeling good about working with you and want to come back next week. (laughs) Yeah. And it just, it's cool because you get to know your child more that way too, on like what their choices are and then embed more of those interests along the way as well. And it just gives them motivation as well to work towards that to the end of the session. And once they do that routine, they get it. They know when they get to choose and we go with the flow that way. Yes. I love it. I love it. So thanks again, Kirsten, for coming on the show. I think a lot of people are going to start taking action after listening to this episode. Um, if you haven't heard, Kirsten is one of the co-founders of the Play-Based Speech Therapy course that you can, it's not available now, but you can definitely get on the website or the website. You can get on the wait list. I'll put a link in the show notes to playbasespeechtherapycourse.com and you can sign up for the wait list. But let everyone know, Kirsten, where they can find you and connect with you if they have questions about themed therapy. For sure. First of all, thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity, Felice. It's been great chatting with you. I love talking about themes and hope this isn't just um, the only time. I'm sure it's just the beginning. (laughs) And for terms of finding me and knowing where you can talk and communicate more about these things, please head over to my Instagram page at Words Matter SLP or my website, which is wordsmatterslp.ca. And you can join my email list over there as well. I also have a TPT store where I have a variety of themed materials and that's also under Words Matter SLP. So all the same kind of wording, not a lot of changes. It should be easy to find me and I'd love to chat more. Sure. And I will put a link to um, Kirsten's TPT store and her Instagram, but it's at Words Matter SLP, you know, just search for that and you'll find her. Um, Yeah. So again, thank you so much. It was great chatting. And until next time, SLPs, be the SLP that every kid wants to see. And don't forget to stay inspired. Bye. Uh